and welcome to Bad Pod Die, a Babylon Project miniseries about the comic book Die, where we tumble through feelings about RPGs and some terrible British nerds. I'll be your Game Master Justin, and joining me are my two players, Jude Nana. Jude, Anna, how you doing? All right, plus plus or minus, you know, various IT woes that I, you know, explained at length prior to recording and I do not need to subject our listeners to. I'm all right. Yeah, getting stuff done. We are existing. We are existing is a great way to put that. Put everything there. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll ask we'll ask the, the silly question today: dual wielding, cool or uncool? Absolutely cool. Uh, I I yeah. absolutely I challenge the people who think dual wielding's not cool are the people who will go t- onto a like Legend of the Five Rings message board. And try and argue with you about the fact that this fantasy, uh, vaguely racist Asian Milu role-playing game does not accurately simulate the katana combat of medieval Japan. <laughs> Look, motherfuckers, God. there is a level there is a point at which your simulationist horse shit is not interesting to me. And you passed it. The second you started talking about this stuff, dual wielding's cool, and the fact that it's impractical in every application doesn't matter. Show me someone dual wielding that's not cool, and I will retract. But unless you're <laughs> trying to make it look uncool, it always looks cool. Can I share my favorite dumb dual wielding thing from L5R? Yes, Absolutely. please. So L5R is Legend of the Five Rings, which is a it's I think Jude a bunch, just summed it up. A bunch of yeah. white guys in the 90s got together to make <laughs> uh, a samurai game, and it went as yeah. badly and as well as you would expect. It went better than expected, but it also went as badly as you'd expect a bunch of white guys using uh, samurai movies and Encyclopedia Britannica to uh, r- to write about Asian people. I, I really hope that we I really hope that we have the world of L5R at least like a little bit in in die at some point. God. No, this I this don't. is older than L5R. Um, no, I I mean that can't be true. Uh what's it? Well, 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 well they, they went into die in 1991 which precedes L5R. That's true. L5R didn't yeah. really get going until like 95. So. Yeah. So, um one of the the schools, because you don't have classes, you have schools mm-hmm. in L5R, uh, is the Miramoto Duelist. The who, they specialize Duelist, in yes. dual, they, they specialize in dual wielding. And the way that dual wielding works in L5R is that it increases your um and increases your ability to like uh not get hit at like its most basic level. Yeah, okay. it's like it it, inc- it increases the target number for you to get hit at. All right, I like that. So there is an alternate setting of L5R where you introduce gunpowder weapons, and through a funny mechanic of the game, gunpowder weapons like guns get to ignore the armor bonuses for actually wearing armor, but you do not get to discount the armor bonus for, for dual wielding. Yep. Dual so wielding, wielding makes you harder to hit with guns. <laughs> yep. Just gonna slice yep. those bullets out of the air. I mean, I mean, 
No, the, it works if you're dual wielding guns too. That's what's funny. So about yeah. It. So the funnier thing is that the Biramoto duelist has it. It also exists in that alternate timeline, and um, like you have, you basically have like in the in the normal one, you have your long sword and like a short sword that you mm-hmm. dual wield. In the the gunpowder setting, your short sword is replaced with a gun blade. Oh my god. I hate it. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, it should be it should be declared that I uh, L5R is a problematic fave of mine. I had a podcast oh, about L5R back a, a long time ago. Not a long time ago, a little while ago. I love L5R, but it's an absolute <laughs> piece of shit. The podcast was called Garbage, Garbage of the King, Five Rings. It. It, it's absolutely a piece of shit. And there's so much wrong with it. I don't even remember how we got here. That I brought. I, I wanted dual. to talk about dual wheeling. Oh, that's that right. I, I was bringing this. up the fact that that people always bring up it, people always come to L five R forums and try and like argue, try and argue points about a magical a magical uh, samurai game using like what they learned watching samurai movies uh, and samurai w- Wikipedia articles. You know, <laughs> in the Tokugawa dynasty, you couldn't use your swords like that. It's like, well, show me the fucking sh- magical spirit summoners in the Tokugawa dynasty and I'll shut the fuck up, you goddamn dweebs. I just love the image of the um, of the duelists, you know, with dual wielding and being able to slice bullets out of the air because this has like huge Camilla Hecht energy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. A point point in favor of dual wielding, Camilla Hecht dual wields. So yes, fuck exactly. you if you don't yes. like dual wielding. Um tonight we are covering episodes 13 or not episodes, issues 13 and 14 of Die, um, Little Wars and Dual Wield. These are both written by Karen Gillen, art by Stephanie Hans, letters by Clayton Cowell. Uh, so let's start with issue 13, Little Wars. Our quote for this is from Tolkien. My man. Behind the fantasy, real wills and powers exist, independent of the minds and purposes of men. In the realm of 20, uh, Matt, Chuck, and Angela have traveled to the Grandmaster's Tower, where they are ambushed uh, by Fallen. The fair arrive and frees the horde of Fallen and say that as there are three visitors, they will get three questions. Chuck asks if he is going to be cured. The coin flip says no. Matt asks if anything cures can cure Chuck. The coin flip says no. Angela asks if they will tell them what they need to be told. As the coin flip, Chuck grabs it and flips it again. The coin flip's true. They explain that the machine of die has been assembling itself for two centuries. When it is complete in the year 20 plus 20, 2020. I hate it, I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> the real world and die will merge. The fair were originally created to stop this from happening, but instead they led to the fallen. The timeline became flexible. Uh, the timeline became spaghetti noodle at this point. Yeah. Um, and victims who had yet to fall were already fallen here. Uh, Dai's power can, in fact, reach back, influencing other people through two sets of artifacts, the soldiers and the dice. The forge in Glastown is forging those dice now to send them back to 1991. Now let's go back to remember when H.G. Wells showed up last time? Well, he's he says to start us off that he saved the world and ashes ruining it. 
Um, when Ash tries to inquire what he means, uh, Wells, like a proper 19th century British dude, goes into monologue mode. <laughs> yep. He says that uh, when he was young, he wished to have more than the life of a simple shop clerk. He wrote six stories in two years. The Time Machine, The Wonderful Visit, The Island of Dr. Moreau, The Invisible Man, The Wheels of Chance, and The War of the Worlds. But as he wrote them, he started to question where these ideas came from, and he believed that some unearthly being was the cause. Wells began to think of everything as a game, and began to look into the German Kriegspiel after the Franco-Prussian War. He found the creators, a father and son, had both died shortly after the game's creation. Wells decided to make a war game against war to stop this potential great war. He wrote Little Wars, finishing it in 1913, and that's the last thing Wells remembers before waking up and die. Interesting. Ooh. Wells studied the other masters of die, the Brontes, the father and son of Kriegspiel, echoes picked out of time at points in their lives by an intelligence. Ash is then choked by several invisible men, Wells' agents who are there to strangle her so that no blood is spilled. Desperate. Ash informs Wells that the Great War happened and that little wars led to more war games, which led to Dungeons and Dragons, which led to them coming to die. Wells departs, his bicycle turning into a time machine. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> While he commands the Invisible Men to kill Ash. Thankfully, Isabel is here and she easily dispatches the Invisible Men. Uh, Isabel and Ash have a moment and apologize and they decide a plan. They meet with the Lion of Little England and make a last alliance to save the world. Uh, a couple of things I think that need to be pointed out here. Uh, one, there's, I think, a, an important note that when they talk about the uh, dice going back in 1991, they mention that yes. the the party in 1991 were like the original beta test for mm -hmm. bringing yeah. people into the world to be participants. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting point that I that jumped out at me, and I think it should be called that needs to be called out because that's that's a pretty wild statement. Um, yeah, a beta test for all of humanity's fate. Yeah, um, I would also like to point out that H.G. Wells died in 1946. Yeah, it yes. seems to be that these the masters, air quotes of die seem, and this is reaching forward in time a little bit. But we, what we are starting to learn is that the masters of die are not drawn, unlike the Brontes, who seem to have been drawn in slightly, some of them. Like at their death. At their death. They seem to have been drawn in when they were done creating the thing die needed them to create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for the Brontes, that was like all of Angria. And like the idea of a world you project yourself into. Mm-hmm. But they had to live out their whole, you know, for them, that was like most of their lives. They needed to live and live in this world. And then they died. But mm -hmm. for everybody else that we're meeting, it doesn't seem to be the case. We don't really know about the master of Little England. Or, oh, no, that's... Um, of the front. Of the front, we I don't mean. Know about we don't know Tolkien. about the master of the front, but we do know now the master of Eng the master of Little England... Uh, and we're going to learn a little more in the next issue or in a couple of issues time about uh, another person who will be drawn in to be a master before they, they die in the real world. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. seems to be an interesting point that we're, we're learning about. Also learning the, learning the origins of the fair was fascinating. 
Um, yeah, that was weird. Mm-hmm. The idea that the fair, we don't know who created them to try and stop this, yeah. but we know that they were created to try and stop the process of die. Does it expand on the, the idea that does it, I mean, I'm trying to remember, I'm looking back at the pages and I, I can't really recall. I don't think it does say with any more detail how the, the arrival of the fair t- led to the fallen other than like uh, no, timey wimey um, bullshit. I think, I think it's because like that. Yeah. Their, their presence led to the timeline becoming flexible. Yeah. Um, cause I'm wondering where, like where and when the fair are actually from because the, it says that they arrived in die in 1990, mm-hmm. but that's that's what we that's the information that we've got, and it is phrased very precisely. Yes, yeah, it's interesting that we, they presumably they're from a future where die and Earth successfully completed their joining, right? Yeah, because, probably. Yeah, because if they came, if they're from a time before, if they if they arrived before time got wibbly. And their time wibbliness, I don't know. I don't know where they came from. Because well, yeah. the time wibbliness they've introduced is now fundamental to how t- how die comes together. Yeah. Because the time wibbliness is how the soldiers and the dice get sent back. I also have questions now about their, like, coin flip thing and, like, the nature of the fair and the way that they, the way that they always say, they, they phrase things as... This is not among the, this is not among the things which happen. Yes. I feel like the coin flip is less about determining something as it is about divining something. That they, by flipping the coin and having it come up zero, it's not that it is then defining that Chuck will never be cured. It is, um, like a form of divination. That's, that's how I'm reading it. Like a Heisenberg thing. They're determining the state, whether, they're reading yeah. the state, not setting the state. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that, you know, and with the fact that they are question mark, question mark from the future, question mark, question mark, also kind of ties into that in that, like, they may have knowledge of the things which happen in some way. Mm-hmm. And tossing the coin is how they gain access to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's also noteworthy the uh, the fair at one point say this time she is about Molly. They say this time she is not among the players. Yeah. Yeah. Which could mean this point in time. Yeah. Or. Yeah. Or this iteration, perhaps that there, there's been multiple iterations of this. If they if they as we as we mentioned, potentially they're from a version of this. If, if there is a there was a version of die, which occurred and that they are they fled from trying to prevent the creation of it and inadvertently led to a different version of it um or a different you know led to it i don't know i'm so confused i have have (laughs) questions tm about the fair (laughs) i I, it's so hard not to just read through to the end and find out what the fuck is going on i'm trying not to after tonight you can and there's (laughs) i'm going to Oh, I'm going to. It's been very hard to resist not doing that, though. I'm going to say something as somebody who has read this entire series. Okay. Wells is my least favorite of the masters. Oh, I mean, how could you not? He's such a prick. 
He he is a prig, but he's also the least interesting. <laughs> yeah, he he is also a prick, though. Yeah, like oh my god, the fantastic job making me hate him with every fiber of my uh, being. Yeah, you no, know what right. he is. You know, you know what'll make you hate him more? The lines he says that you hate the most are quoted directly from the oh yeah the the work the the little wars work. Yeah, which he's an intelligent kind of woman. Yeah, no, I'm. I know you know that, Anna. I'm saying this for our (laughs) listeners who maybe are not familiar with Little Wars. So the full title of Little Wars is Little Wars: A Game for Boys from 12 Years of Age to 150, and for that more intelligent sort of girl who likes boys' games and books. Yeah. Uh, So, which is, I like, I like it is incredible incredibly fucking just condescending yeah. but also like it is the funniest fucking title right yeah because it's like imagine if you did that today lancer a game for trans people from 12 years of age to 150 and for that more intelligent sort of cis person who likes trans people's books and games <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. When you first posted that, I laughed so hard. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh man. And every single time he he like is like to Ash, like, oh, a most intelligent girl indeed. And I'm like, oh, I hate you so much. Dude, he's the worst. He and he's and as you said, he's just boring. The only thing he says that's yeah. remotely interesting, other than hit the t- when he wakes up and die, that he's gonna go back in time and try and fix it. Other than that. All he all he says, all he does is be a condescending prick oh. to Ash. He really doesn't give her that much inf- all that much interesting information. And, and the 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 fact is that like at, at, at a point in their conversation, the like he said like he's like later I found secret channels that Germany had a plan to win a great war, testing their finer war games, and it's the Schlieffen plan, which is um, fuck the French, we're just going to go through Belgium. Which is a plan that was so good, Germany did it twice. Um, <laughs> yeah. To varying degrees of success. <laughs> uh, and I do love how Ash gets through to Wells by being like, bitch, the war happened anyway. You didn't stop anything. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're, you're, you caused die. Yeah. yeah. You helped start, you helped start die by, by creating the war gaming movement. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because it's like yeah, like uh, I mean, Little Wars is interesting because it's like it's it's one of the first games to have miniatures instead of like being moving like chits around on a board. There are even rules in Little Wars for having a spring loaded cannon to use for artillery rolls. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> so what you're saying is H.G. Wells is the is the father of Warhammer. Yes. That's right. Yeah, no, that, that's that's possibly the greatest crime that he has. Um, I find, yeah, it, it's overall, I think that like Wells, it's like he doesn't like, as it turns out, like his, his stories are useful, but it is the, it is the framework of conflict in games that, mm-hmm. that is what die seeks. Yeah to to philosophize a little bit um 
Little Wars will start a design philosophy of games that are, I mean, wargaming is not like even a new thing. I mean, like one could make a, make a, an argument that chess in some form is a war game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, Will's the person who brings it into like a mainstream consciousness and like that design lineage will lead to chain mail, which is one of two games that will end up becoming the, the, the predecessor for dungeon for what will eventually become dungeons and dragons. Um, and I think that one of the things that is like, is that it emphasizes the idea of like, like whereas the Brontes are about the conversation and what comes next. Yeah. Wells brings the P like the, 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 the conflict side of things, the us versus them. Yeah. If you will. He brings yeah. the PVP. And like, not even the PVP, but also like the, the mindset of like, I mean, like, like D and D is not a PVP game. Really? I mean, originally Chainmail was, I think what he brings is the idea of when I say PVP, it's not even so much player versus player. It's person versus person. The idea okay, of, yeah. um, yeah. and, and antagonism or, or, or having there being conflict baked into the game, uh, players versus GMs, sometimes players versus mm-hmm. players with that conflict being the, the, the central motif of the game. The other thing that I think is like an interesting thing is that like he does like, it's interesting that like all of his, like all of his big stories are in there. I, I'm like the, yeah, but it's just like, that's not what die wants. Die wants the, die wants the mechanics, which is interesting because he's got like the little gear eyes and he's got the, the gear necklace as well. And I mean, uh, arguably perhaps he was the one who brought time travel to die too. That's very, <laughs> not the fair. <laughs> like it might not have been, it might not have been the fair's fault. <laughs> Other things could, might be the fair's fault. It could be. Uh, so it could be a lot here. I don't think, I don't, I think it was a quite, I, I, you know, could be that conversation that Ash has with Wells sets like where Wells goes out in time is what starts this whole thing off. It's entirely possible. This is why I hate time travel. <laughs> or as Justin put it the first time this came up, I'm too gay for time travel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, funny. This was written by an ex, a former X Men writer, where that that phrase originated. <laughs> so I just had a thought with like you know with us talking about um, the masters of the realms. One thing that we don't quite have clear clarity on is is there one master per face on the die? Yeah, because it's it's like each realm is one face. And but this this brings to mind Angria specifically. Um, mm-hmm. because Angria spreads across multiple faces. So question mark, multiple Brontes, like is each of them a master of their own face, except for perhaps some of them in Gondol or something. From, from what I gathered in their previous, in like in the previous conversations with not Charlotte, um, like all of the Brontes are there and like, they are like, they are other master, like they're at least some of them are other masters of the realm. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Cause I didn't get that yeah. Angria was multiple faces. That makes sense though. If each of the, the Brontes became a master, they would have their own face. Mm-hmm. 
that that would also make sense why they don't interact with each other much mm-hmm. too. Uh, the father and the son of Kriegspiel are they both there as masters? I think they're both. I think they both rule Pro- Eternal Prussia as one master. For like that's that's sort of mm-hmm. I like. I don't think we ever go like specifically into it, but that's sort of what I gathered. Uh, other question: Didn't they go to the the Grand Master's fortress to like? Didn't they have a like a goal there that was more than just to like chat with the fallen? Uh, or the it, it was it was to find the fair, the fair. and to like yeah. a- a- ask questions. That was it, basically. Okay. Yep. All right. Because I'm like, if um, I do like how we get to see the Grand Master's fortress. Is it just, which? It looks like Castle Grayskull. Is that just me? It, it, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it looks. Yeah. It looks like like it like yeah. There there's a castle there. It's like it's a Gothic castle with like. A skull carved out of a D20. It looks like Castle yeah. Gray Skull. <laughs> it does. Fucking. Yeah, I got nothing else. This. Yeah, I think this is the. Yeah, you know, like, I, I think I feel like if, like, you give it enough time, I will have, like, 20 jokes about the Little War subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do like that. I do like that the 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 alliance with Little England is referred to as a last alliance. Mm-hmm. Don't think I this, didn't notice this, that. Because we can't fucking stop the Tolkien references, and I mean that in the best, most you know, great way. All right. Also, um, also, Jude, yep. you may not be wrong with the Castle Grayskull because guess what would have been you know on TV and perhaps a formative memory for Saul and Ash and the others. I'm, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, they absolutely, I'm, like, it's very plausible that Saul watched uh, She-Ra. Is, here's the thing, though. Like, is, is die created by Saul? Yes. We will, we will answer yes. this question in approximately two to three episodes. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> let's move on. Because, I mean, later we, 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 you know. Just fuck you and let's move on. That's all. In the next episode, <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll, dis- we'll have a little bit more discussion of this. Um, next, we have issue 14, Dual Wield. Our quote from this is uh, by preeminent fuckhead Otto von Bismarck. Uh, Fools say that they learn by experience. I prefer to profit by others' experience. What a dick. That is such a... That is... Yeah. That is some S-tier dick bag quote right there i mean it's Otto von bismarck i know i i mean it's absolutely appropriate for for who it's from i just think what a shit wagon and frankly anybody who has a von in their name like anything they say has like five percent like has a five percent automatic penalty for i thought you i thought you were gonna say they were automatically like a shit bag and i was going to rebut with uh Otto von van veen uh, There's also Moist von von Lichtbeg too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still a shit. Like he's still a yeah. little shit. He's just a different kind of shit. <laughs> so on the border between Prussia and Angria, Zamorna asks for a kiss from Ash as he goes to lead the troops. Ash eventually gives in and ruminates on how she used to kiss boys when she was younger. Which she ruminates. She she thinks about how the bad thing wasn't kissing boys. It was. Kissing boys without their permission. As Ash and Isabel talk, they remember Matt's promise, you'll pay for this, as the armies go for war. Matt's so North angry. of Glastown, the gang of Chuck, Matt, and Angela, plus zombie Molly, are traveling, with Molly stuck in a loop asking, what did I do wrong? 
Angela thinks there's something she must have fucked up for Molly decide to come here. Listen, I think that there are many things that a parent could do or even like there are like, I don't think that you should beat yourself up if your child decides to go to a terrible Jumanji world. Look, (laughs) if your kid grew up any time after the 90s and played games, I feel like you you bear no responsibility if they get Jumanji'd. That shit is, I mean, no, man. I, I That's not on you. That's just the world sucks and games are good and people don't know any better till they're there. That's just how the world works. Yeah. I think, like, unless, um, like, Die does not, Die does not signpost what people will get into in it very well. So I think that, like, if you got duped into being a member, if you got duped onto being on Die, I don't think that is on your parents, frankly. No, absolutely not. Hard agree. As they approach Glasstown, they discuss their plan and what's next. They start to sneak in, and as they get closer to the forge, uh, Molly starts repeating the forge's question, what am I for? They break into the forge and trip the proximity sensors of its defenses. As Augustus and Zamora fight on the front lines, Augustus is wounded by a Prussian dragon and sent back to Angria by Zamora. Ash expresses pride at Augustus and finally asks Isabel what she had to give up to the mourner uh, for carrying Augustus, with Isabel realizing that it was nothing she ever wanted. And just as they feel that they are starting to win, Mistress Glow comes calling because, listen, you know, Sometimes when your players are, you know, they're rolling, things are going well, their plans are executing, you know, you're getting that third act. Sometimes you just need a deus ex bitchina. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tolkien has a concept called the eucatastrophe, which is the sudden We, we have joy- discussed the eucatastrophe before. Yes, <laughs> the sudden and joyous turn. But sometimes it's the opposite, and it's just a catastrophe. And... That also can be fun for stories. And yeah. boy, is this a little catastrophe. Woe decides like, hey, I'm cashing in every single debt you owe me, uh, which is apparently a lot. And it's all just to pass on a message to Matt. Isabel hears it and immediately refuses. Um, under threat of painful death, Isabel relents and has the bear deliver a message to Matt. Back in Glasstown, as they fight through the hordes of machines, the message is delivered by Little Bird. In the real world, your dad is dead. Matt's sorrow destroys buildings and actually glasses the ground he is standing on. Um, He tells Angela to uh, teleport him to Angria. Uh, He is furious, but he tells Angela he's seen Curly. She does so, and he goes to the Temple of Weapons. He takes up the Mall of Rage and does not let go of the Sword of Grief. Time for some dual-wielding bitches. There's yeah, two plot threads in this issue. There's all the emotional stuff that's going on. And then there's, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on with the Forge? Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm simplifying, because yeah. there's a lot of emotional, different emotional threads. There's Ash and Augustus, and there's Isabel and... There's Angela refusing. There's everything Angela's doing. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's like there's a lot of emotional beats going on. And then there's what the fuck is the the narrative beat of what is the Forge doing? What is going on? 
and I, I have no answers for you. I do not know any more than it knows what it is for. It's making <laughs> dice. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. It's making dice. That is all we know so far. I'm on TikTok. I see how this is how dice are made. It's slightly less complicated than this looks, uh, but that's that's all I got for you. I, I like at the end of this issue where Matt decides to go to the temple mm-hmm. and he goes at the, like the, the, the mall is like, yes, yes. He's the, the mall is the mall is the sickos meme. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Matt comes in, he's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. And it, it's, it's so ready for this. And he picks up both and it's like, and the, the weapons are like, Wait, no, you can't do this. You can only wield weapon. And frankly, I'm depressed and I'm pissed off is a real is a real valid mood. Yeah. 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 And I feel like those rules were made just for this sort of situation. Of like, yeah. No. I feel like there, there are certain games where you have rules or dynamics built into like a setting or a class or something that is just there so you can break it at some point. Yeah. For a very good feeling. I, I feel that, yeah. This this is a good issue. We we also still continue to have the you know, questions with like the nature of the fallen as um yeah. Molly keeps, you know, asking, what am I for? too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, it's clear that there's some connection between Molly and the forge. And it's mm-hmm. not clear that like, she's the one saying, what did I do wrong? Like, it seems like she may be tuning into some other source there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I have a suspicion that this is going to be one of those things that makes sense on a reread and is just simply not going to make any goddamn sense until we're done. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I, I am looking forward to rereading this after we finish and catching all the shit that I, you know, am not catching because I don't know the whole picture. Yeah, not unlike yeah. Babylon 5, I suspect this is a, a a series that thrives on on repeated consumptions uh, because yeah. you catch all of the, the details that uh, are layered into the revealed the revealed full story. Definitely. I, I think it, it it is one of those things that is like that that definitely rewards a reread because you can see like all these threads that are there at the start or maybe aren't there at the start or get refined mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. The the plot between Augustus and Ash is really sad to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I think it like because she's Ash knows that there's nothing nothing good will come of that. Mm-hmm. And every time she talks about him, there's a melancholy note to it because she she's well aware that that relationship is fucked and yeah. that n- literally no good can come of will like that. It just it can't succeed long term like she's going to go back or she's going to fuck it up or like there's this nihilism that sort of infects the way she talks about that relationship. That's really grim. Yeah. But also you see the way that she's pr- like, she's proud of Augustus and you want her, yeah. you, you want her to like, you want her to have a chance to like know her son. Um, yeah. So it's just sad. The whole and, thing is just rough. Yeah. And it's like, you can, and, and like, I think one of the things is like that Augustus, Augustus is a, is like a capital H hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
I think recognizes Ash as, you know, or at least sees Ash as like, yes, my mom, but also a Machiavellian bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They talk. I can't remember if it's this issue or the next one where they talk or, or one of the next two where Augustus has a very complicated relationship with his mom and she's, she really wants to know him in this little bit of time that she has. And Augustus is too good of a person to, 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 to throw her away. But you can tell that he's too much of the capital P protagonist to Mm -hmm. not see that her and her whole party are bad capital B news, capital N. And uh, there's, I think that's part of the tension that is built that, that, lives in that relationship mm-hmm. they're like i love you get the fuck out yeah <laughs> yeah it's interesting because like part of me wonders it, it, there's a degree to which augustus is it reminds me of like a Faramir type character uh, a character with mm-hmm. ideals that are almost too noble for the setting not not too noble yeah. for the setting but like or the situation maybe feel literary in the sense mm-hmm. of like they don't feel human in a good way. Like you want people to, to act that way and they, but you don't see humans acting that way. Uh, and it's a thing that a lot of like literary characters have. There's this something just off three dimensional about them, about the way that they adhere to these noble ideals, mm-hmm. not like in a like shitty paladin way, but in a way that they're just, they're bigger than, they're bigger than than normal life they're capital p protagonists you know they have these defining heroic archetypes about them and uh i think he's got that about him uh intentionally i think it's clearly it's the intention there because he has this very weird vampire other dimensional traveler god raised backstory he's got a pretty dope backstory there yeah you know so I don't know he's an interesting character. I think of all the like native characters, he's one of the ones that I think is most interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting too that he's a very much a paladin too. Like he's referred to as such. Yeah. Yeah, like when he's like when he's fighting with Zamorna, he's like, "Oh, you, you, like he he specifically calls him a paladin. Throwing paladin's uh powers around while standing next to a vampire is just impolite." Yeah. <laughs> Even though he's half vampire like yeah still still getting alucard vibes off of him here and there yeah 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 (laughs) i have to admit as cool as matt's like detonation sequences i don't get matt uh in this bit here he's real pissed off at ash and i don't Mm -hmm. see how that this is any of this is really ash's fault don't get me wrong Ash super deserves some to, to have the shit beat out of her for a couple of different reasons. But Matt seems to have focused on Ash as being like the problem. And I don't read that as being wholly deserved. I get that he's blinded by the fact that his dad died and he needs to blame someone. Mm-hmm. But also the incongruity of that scene is dope as hell. This little bird's like, hey, hey. In the real world, your dad's dead. <laughs> like, it's such a bizarrely like 
unsolemn delivery method. Yeah. Very well executed. Yeah. I think it's because Ash is the like is one of the ones who is most pushing for them to stay at the moment. Well, and Ash is the one Ash is also the one who like switched teams from team leave to team stay. Left them yeah. locked in jars in, in a dungeon. Right. Like no, I mean, that, I, mm-hmm. I get it. I just, I yeah. think he's displacing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think the only, I think the only other thing is that there is a point in the, where they're sneaking to glass town, um, where, uh, Matt is before this is, um, he talks about his dad and he says, dad said, well, the sooner you start a job, the sooner you can finish it. And Chuck is like, did your dad talk solely in cliches? And Matt shoots back, I've read your books. You don't get to critique anyone's pro style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was yeah. very good. I think it's a it's a, a wonderful moment that shows a whole lot about Matt's character, that he had this loving dad that he remembers all of these like cliche euphemisms that his dad used. Mm-hmm. But he also is a good enough person to have actually read the bullshit Matt wrote. I, I you know, <laughs> that is. Yeah. Cause think about it. There's no way most of them would do more than wipe their asses with, with Chuck's books. I mean, Ash basically says so at the beginning that before Ash is Ash, when Ash is still, when Ash is Dominic, Dominic says that like, he can barely stand to look at the books and he's never even read one all the way through. Yeah. yeah. Which to be fair, I think is a valid response. No, I'm not blaming them. Yeah. But I think it's very, very funny that like, of course, Matt is the one that actually has read his books and is like, you know, enough yeah. to be able to critique the pros. Like <laughs> that seems to encapsulate <laughs> his character very nicely. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, what is, what is the, what is the, who is, who is, who is the, the, the Chuck is the analog world equivalent of Chuck? Yeah. Um, mm. Oh no, I have something that's way too unkind. Let's hear it. Terry Goodkind. Ooh, that's <laughs> that's that's good. They're probably not probably not enough fucking in Terry Goodkind. To well, that, I was also gonna idea. say that's probably also more prestige than he deserves. He seems like he's a little more B-list than Terry Goodkind. You know who you know who I get like Chuck vibes with? Pierce Anthony. Yeah, that I, I, I don't want to compare anybody to Piers Anthony. <laughs> yeah, but like Chuck deserves it though. Oh, uh, I have it. What is it? Like not not to the level. Like I mean, frankly, his his books are getting adapted and shit. So who knows? I mean, like he is pretty rich. Jim Butcher. Ooh, <laughs> ouch! That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, I hate myself for that one. Um, like <laughs> as somebody who who very much enjoyed Jim Butcher when he was younger, but that, like, yeah, that is absolutely one hundred percent. Uh, okay. You know who he reminds me of? I was gonna say Newt Gingrich. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not know that Newt Gingrich has written a whole bucket of terrible grocery store fantasy novels? No. Uh huh. Um, the other one I would have gone with is, uh, Larry Correa. I don't know if you've ever, if you know who that is. Oh yeah. I, 
Oh yeah, I, I've I've been to panels unfortunately with. Yeah, I feel like he's a good pe- analog for Chuck, guy who writes schlocky fantasy novels with a lot of lot of fucking and sword fighting and is of dubious moral character. <laughs> God, uh, okay, so enough of us. Uh taking like drive by like this is a drive like this isn't drive are we by done with our shot. are we done with our like drive by pot shots at this the is like dubious this, fantasy authors this isn't like drive by pot shots this is like this is like drive by naval bombardments <laughs> <laughs> um all right so yeah let, let's let, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here today Next time, we are going to be covering issues 15 and 16 of Die. Those are PvP and Thacko. Until next time, keep rolling. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license.